Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church of Imperial Valley. We would love to help you plan your visit, so we encourage you to visit our website at www.cccciv.org for service times and our events calendar. Or get the app. You'll find the Christ Community Church IV mobile app in your app store for Apple or Android devices. And they thought that John the Baptist might be the Messiah. Look at verse 19 of this chapter. And this is a testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I'm not the Christ. You see that? There was a delegation that came from the headquarters, the religious headquarters in Jerusalem. So if there was anything that even smelled like a move of God, the Jerusalem leadership would send people to go check it out. They would investigate it. They would interrogate it. Is this the Messiah? Has he shown up? And many people thought John the Baptist was. That's why John opens up his gospel by saying he wasn't the light. He only testified of the light. And so this expectancy of a Messiah showing up and the delegation going to John the Baptist are you the Christ? That's what it means, the anointed one. Messiah in Hebrew, Meshiach, the anointed one in the Hebrew, the Old Testament. So Messiah, Christ, Christ is the Greek, anointed one. Is this the one sent by God that he promised? And so there's this expectation coming, and then Andrew discovers this is Jesus. This is the one. This is the one we've been waiting for. This is the Messiah. This is the expectancy of Israel. This is God's promise coming to fruition. You can see Andrew there all day long, right? When Jesus taught, he taught about himself. At the end of Luke's gospel, it says that he testified that the scriptures testify to him. He taught the things of the Old Testament concerning himself. And so you can imagine that here, He's teaching Andrew all those things in the Old Testament all day long. Can you imagine sitting under Jesus all day long, maybe eight hours that day, and just hearing Jesus talk about fulfillment in the Old Testament because he goes to his brother and he says, we found the Christ. He knew for sure that Jesus was the fulfillment of God's promises in the Old Testament. They were expecting it. They were expecting it. They were waiting for it. You ever waited for something, something big? You know, my kids used to wait to go to Disneyland. And it's funny because, you know, you tell them you're going to Disneyland and you could whisper in the living room and they... <laughs> you can scream for them to go clean up their rooms and they don't hear you. They're deaf all of a sudden. Pick up your toys. Pick up your room. And you go back there and you haven't done that. We didn't hear you. But yet you're in the living room and you whisper, hey, let's take the kids to Disneyland. Ah, they come running out of the room. We're going to Disneyland. But you ever have an expectancy of something big? You know, maybe somebody on their wedding day, maybe somebody's pregnant and they're waiting for that baby to come and there's that expectancy. There was an expectancy in Israel and when Andrew found out that Jesus was the Messiah, he immediately went to his brother. There's an urgency there. And it's interesting because there's that phrase, 
Verse 42, that one phrase, this has a sweet aroma to it. He brought him to Jesus. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus is the bridge to restoration with God, but people are the bridge to Jesus. Do you realize that? You may think that you don't have any role, but you're a bridge to Jesus, just like Andrew was with Peter, that you are a bridge to Jesus. We know that in Christ, there's salvation. But like Paul said in Romans 10, 14, how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And so we become this bridge to Jesus. One of the men, he was assigned to us in the Philippines. His name was Jingles. And he was a member of the church where we held the conference. And his role was to take us around and show us the Philippines, show us the city of Cebu. Cebu is a huge city. It's like three million people. And then with the suburbs and everything else, it gets even into a whole lot more. But he was assigned to show us. And Jingles was a wealthy man. There's not much, you know, you've got wealthy and you've got poor down there in the Philippines. And he was a wealthy man. He took us to his house. He introduced us to his family and everything else. And, and he had this huge house. He was very successful in this life. But his primary calling was to go minister to drug addicts, guys like New Creations, girls like New Creations. Here's this rich guy can do anything he wants. And he felt this was his calling. And so he took us even down to the ghetto. Down there, they'll build like a little house. You know, somebody who's homeless will build a little house, then somebody else will build. Before you know it, you got squatters, and you got a whole village-like, and the police can't stop it. But there, there's drugs, there's poor people, and he knew everybody. When he took us down, everybody knew him by name. Jingles. You know, and you go to Christian circles, and people wouldn't know Jingles down there. His own church probably knows him. And you know, Jingles, he set up, he's part of this fancy club, you know, is what I would call it. It's a private club. There's a membership fee. He'd put anything in Beverly Hills to shame, it seems like. You walk in there, it's this huge building, it's beautiful. The architecture blows you away. Private swimming pools and a workout gym and all of this. It's got restaurants in the place, and it's all private. And what he did was he set up a dinner a private dinner for the police officials, the ones who are chiefs, the ones who are captains, the ones who are over provinces, and he invites these people. He also invited the National Drug Enforcement Agency, and he said, I just want to get them there, and I want to feed them a nice dinner. I want them to feel that they're special, and then I want you to speak to them, Walter. Okay? <laughs> So it was really cool, though. We get there that night, and they're showing up. They're in uniforms. They got their stripes on. They even had eight representatives there from a government drug rehab. And it was really cool because uh, Norm shared a five-minute testimony. Ricardo from our church gets up there and shares how when he smoked PCP one time, he didn't know it. They gave it to him. And it sent him on a mental trip, and he was mentally damaged through that. And he talked about how God healed his mind. And then I got up, and I talked about our relationship with law enforcement, how they work with us and everything else. But beforehand, I said, you know what, Jingles, I think I'm supposed to give the gospel tonight. And he says, well, 
Why would you expect anything less? So I said, okay, and these are third world country leaders that are sitting there like that. They love the food. (laughs) But part of getting the food, you have to sit through all this. And so we ended up, I gave the gospel. I talked about our relationship with law enforcement, talked about the district attorney and his work with us and why he sees new creations as successful. And I launched into why we were successful, and it was because of Jesus. And I talked to them about where they were. What would happen to them? And when we die, there is a literal hell that the Bible speaks of. And I said, you can deny that. You can deny it. But it doesn't change the fact that it's real and it's there. You're not going to wish it away. You're not going to make it go away. And when I said, you know, if you want to receive Christ, I'm just going to ask you to come forward. And nothing happened. And then it got uncomfortable. And I just stood there and then after a minute or so, a lady gets up. She was worked for the officials, and she was the community liaison there, and she gets up, and she comes forward. After she came forward, another man who was one of the high-ranking officers comes up in front of all of them, and we prayed for them. Right there in front of everybody, they prayed to receive Christ, and they heard the whole thing. Every officer, every official there heard what was prayed, And one of the commanders who didn't come forward said, hey, he was so moved by what was spoken. He said, look, I've got 35 officers that are on discipline. And these 35 officers are in a camp. That's what they do. I said, they're in a camp? He says, yeah, when they get on discipline, they go to a camp. And he says, I want you to come in and talk to them. And I said, well, I'm tied up through the weekend. This was Thursday night. I got to do Friday and Saturday conference. Sunday I'm preaching at the church. And he said, well, come in Monday. And then I said, okay, we'll make a deal. You bring them all to church on Sunday, and I'll come speak to them on Monday. And they cut the deal. And sure enough, we're at the 9 a.m. service. I'm getting ready to preach. 35 officers walk in in uniform. And they heard the gospel. But Monday... When I went there and I preached to them, I said, what are you guys in here for? Bribery, drugs, prostitution. There was corruption. That's why they're on discipline. I said, how do you resist the temptation? How do you walk with integrity? And went into the gospel again. And these 35 officers all jumped up to receive Christ. And I've never done this before. No, no, listen to this. I never did this before. I never did this before. I look at Jingles and I said, everybody sit down again. They all sat down again. I went into 10 minutes on the seriousness of the decision they were making and you don't play footsie with God. Went into another thing and they all jumped up again, some of them crying. And they received Christ and every one of them lined up to give me a hug. But Jingles, you don't know Jingles, but he was the bridge. He's just a guy. He's not a pastor. He's not a preacher. He's just a guy that says, 
God used me. And he goes out there and he becomes this incredible bridge. Just like Andrew. When someone's sitting here at Christ Community Church, you know that they're going to hear the gospel. You know. Every empty seat you see, you know that somebody could be sitting there. And when we bring someone to Jesus, we have no clue to what God is going to do with them. Look at this. Look down at your text again. It says he brought him to Jesus, and Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Kephas, which means Peter. Kephas is the Aramaic word for rock. Peter is Petros, Petros, that means rock in the Greek. And so you got Aramaic rock, you've got Greek rock. The New Testament was written in the Greek. That's why they clarify that there. But the Aramaic term was Kephas, rock. Same thing, same meaning. And what's interesting is those aren't normal names. Kephas is not a normal Aramaic name, and neither is Petros. Petros was not like Peter is today. They were nicknames. It would be like calling somebody Rocky. Or if you join a gang, there's a nickname that you get that's fitting for your character or fitting for your appearance. They nickname you. And that's what Jesus is doing here. He's pretty much nicknaming him. And in the Jewish culture, naming was a significant event. Naming was a significant event because when you name somebody, it usually had something to do with their personality or their character. For instance, Jacob. Jacob means catcher. Jacob means catcher. When he was coming out of his mother's womb, he grabbed his twin brother's ankle, Esau, and they called him catcher. That's one example. And so naming somebody usually had something to do with their character. But when you rename somebody, it was exercise of authority over that. For instance, Abram. Abram. Your name shall be Abraham. God exercising authority over him, changing his name. But not only that, exercising his authority, he was bringing it to fruition. He says, you're Abraham, which means father of many nations, and God made that happen. So naming was significant. What Jesus does here, no, it's not going to be Simon. It's going to be Kephas. It's going to be Petros. You're going to be a rock. Now, I don't know about you, but when you read about the life of Peter through the Bible early on, you don't see a rock. You know, you're there, and Peter is impetuous, Peter is impulsive at times. Peter denied Christ. Rock? Peter a rock? He, rock? I don't see anything of a rock in him. But God wasn't done with him. And Peter failed miserably. When, when despite Peter's frailty, the name signals Jesus' vision for what he will become. Peter didn't know at the time what he was going to be. And Jesus looks at him and says, you're going to be a rock? And then for some of his life, he's like, man, he's got to be sitting down. You saw when he denied Christ, he went out and he wept bitterly. He was so tore up over it. He didn't deny him once and he didn't deny him twice. He denied him three times and he runs out weeping bitterly. And where does Peter end up? 
He ends up fishing again on the Sea of Galilee, and Jesus had to go fish for him. But then what happened? Peter's failure didn't wreck God's vision for his life because on the day of Pentecost, he preaches the sermon where 3,000 get saved, and then he dominates the first half of the book of Acts. He's the church leader there. And so that gives me hope today. Has anybody here ever felt like walking away from the Lord? Has anybody here ever failed to a point where you felt like giving up? And you just failed. I have. There's been times where I failed in my own life with God, and I thought, man, you know what? I shouldn't even be here. That's the way you feel through a failure. And you look at yourself and you say, man, but see, God has the power and the ability to fulfill his promises and to fulfill his vision. Even in spite of Peter's failure, God still brought that truth to pass, still brought the vision for his life to pass. And he does that in all of us, in all of our failures, that God will still pick us up again and God will still do something in our life. And the worst thing that somebody can do is when they fall, think, I'm done with God. And you know what's wrong with that type of thinking? There's two things wrong with that type of thinking. Number one, you limit God's grace. Okay, God's out of grace. I've blown it, I've messed up, and that's it. God's got a wellspring of grace. If you're born again, you don't see his life. You don't see grace as a license to sin You see it as an opportunity to become what he wants you to become. So when you think like that, like a Peter did, wept bitterly and Jesus had to go run him down, that you can imagine, Peter, I'm going back to fishing. I'm going back to my old life because I could never fulfill what God wanted me to. What Jesus said at that very encounter, you're a rock, you could... Imagine, that's where Satan really sifted him. Oh, you're not a rock. You're a little weed. You're nothing, Peter. You're nothing. And yet God still brings it. So you limit God's grace, but the second thing you do when you think that way, you limit his power. Don't you realize that we only get where we get because of the power of God? It isn't your flesh It isn't your flesh. Some of you get in the flesh. Some of us get in the flesh. I'm going to include me in the package. Some of us get in the flesh, and we're not real spiritual at times, and we may fall and we may fail. But you never got where you were in your own power anyway. You got where you are in the power of God working in you. So, man, I find comfort in Peter. Jesus says, you're going to be a rock. You start to read the scriptures. Man, this dude's far from a rock. But then he becomes one because God fulfills his plans and his purpose in his life. God sees you. This is the important thing. Look at me. God sees you for what you can be, not what you are. When Peter comes up to him, He sees Peter for what he can be. God knows the potential in Peter because he knows his own power and ability working in his life. And you may not see yourself like that. You need to enlarge your vision with God then. You can't limit God. You can't limit his power. You can't limit his grace in your life. 
You have to see what God can see. And that's hard sometimes. There's a guy in our church that went through new creations. He was strung out on heroin. And he went through the program years ago, and he's married now. He's got two kids, still a member of our church, still faithful, still serving the Lord, still serving our children and things like that. And the government says only 6% of drug addicts or heroin addicts ever get off heroin, and yet he was one of those who did through Christ. And then he got a job working at social services. (laughs) (laughs) And he was faithful, work at social services, but then he went back to school and he ended up getting his master's degree and he graduated in 2016 with his master's degree and they promoted him to a manager at social services. So, but do you think that the world saw him as a social service manager when he was on heroin, when he was strung out? No, but God saw what he could be. God didn't see a drug addict. God saw a guy who can benefit and bless the culture when he works through him. And that's what he does with us. It isn't just drug addicts. It is all of us. He does that with everyone who comes to him. He makes us rocks in this life. If we allow his grace and him to work in our lives, his power working in us and through us, he makes us these rocks. He's the one who brings stability to our life. He's the one who brings strength to our life. where a boss can look at the employee and say, that's somebody I can count on. That guy's a rock in our corporation. So you may not have had work ethics before. You may not have been good on your work schedule before, but when you come to Christ, God brings a stability and a strength there, and now people can count on you once again. A child can look at mom and say, my mother's a rock. She's got strength and she's got stability in her life. A little boy can look at his dad in spite of all the failures in the past, comes to Christ and God brings strength and stability and that child can look at his dad and say, that's a rock in my life. My father's a rock. My father's a rock star. (laughs) (laughs) Andrew was always living in the shadow of Peter. Even here in this text, it says that Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, He took a back seat, but he didn't mind that. It wasn't about Andrew. Andrew wasn't jealous that Peter was the one that rose and God used. What brought Andrew joy was the fact that he brought him to Jesus and Jesus worked into his life. And there's empty seats in our church just waiting for those people to fill them up and to discover the destiny that God has for them in their life. I've talked to many people here that said they were invited or they were brought. And I mean, here we are, we got Jesus. Listen, seriously, we're a bridge for people. We may not have a spotlight. We may be just a jingles out there, or we may just be an Andrew that's bringing people to Jesus, but we can do that at least Amen. Be an Andrew this week. When you go to work, invite somebody to church. Be an Andrew this week. Look at that last section, verse 43. See that? The next day begins a new section. You know what happens there? 
Philip's going to bring Nathanael to Jesus. And look at his invitation in verse 46. Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. Jesus said to them, come and you will see. Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. Christ Community Church has campuses in El Centro, Calexico, and Brawley with services in English and in Spanish. Your kids are going to love our kids' church. Plus, we have a lively youth ministry and young adults group. You're welcome to call the church office at 760-337-9400 with your questions. Or leave us a message on the Christ Community Church IV mobile app, the cccivy.org website, or direct message us on social media. We are really looking forward to meeting you. So again, the website is www.cccivy.org or call 760-337-9400 so we can plan your visit.